I'm going to begin in 1 Corinthians 12. And what I want to do this morning is I want to finish our teaching on the fivefold ministry. We've been spending the last five, six, seven weeks talking about the fivefold ministry. So I'm going to do an overview and I'm going to lock in. I'm going to try to put a nice, pretty bow on this thing. Does that sound good to you? It's important that we finish this because it's going to prepare us and launch us into 2023 for what is happening here in this fellowship. It's imperative that you understand the importance and the necessity of the fivefold ministry or you will be confused or left behind or perhaps even offended at the future, at the path, at the vision that God is blazing for this church. God is restoring the New Testament pattern back to His people. We have built things upon personality. We have built upon gifting. We have built upon entertainment. We have tried to please the crowd rather than please God. And that's how you get the expression of the spirit that's really carnal in the earth today. Part of God restoring the fivefold ministry, the gifts of the Spirit, His fatherhood to the church, is that He's calling us higher, and He's growing us up in Him, and He's waking us up, and He's bringing us into maturity. So when I say the fivefold ministry, so we're all clear, Ephesians 4.11 says that Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some teachers, and some shepherds and evangelists. So you have apostles and prophets who are foundation layers. You have shepherds and teachers who build upon the ministries of apostles and prophets. And then you have evangelists who win souls and who populate the house of God. Are you with me? Is that clear? But we have the most confusion about apostolic ministry because we kind of sort of get that prophets prophesy and teachers teach and shepherds shepherd and evangelists evangelize. But apostles... We don't know who they are and what they do. And there's a whole gamut of people in the earth. There's a whole group of people, unfortunately, that have bought into polluted and deceived apostolic ministry. And it's a part of the thing that God is cleansing in the earth. So I preached on apostolic grace. We had Jeremiah was here sharing about apostles and team ministry. There's so much more that we could say and share and preach. And yet for the sake of moving on to what God is doing in 2023, I want to close with an overview. And I want to visit some of the things I've said and finish with how the ministries function, what they guard the body against, and what they're burdened for, so that we can have some grasp upon the fivefold ministry that would help us to receive and honor what God is doing in the earth. This is important. The fivefold ministry is not a talent show. It's not like, oh, look who's the latest and the greatest. The fivefold ministers are servants unto the body of Christ to build her up and see her come into maturity. You guys disagree? For a second, I thought we were in Indiana. Y'all don't understand. When you go other places and people are raucous and wild and rowdy and they're full of passion and zeal, I'm like, Lord, it's the same Holy Spirit. Why are we so docile? Who taught you to be so dormant, so reserved? 
so quiet. It wasn't God. So we said that 2022 was going to be the year that either we embraced the fivefold ministry or we unfortunately became a one man ministry. This was said in private meetings in January of 2022. That was the feeling, the sense that we had. This is going to go one of two ways. I'm grateful to the Lord that we're headed in a fivefold direction. That we're headed in an expression that includes the plurality of elders and leaders serving alongside deacons, which is the New Testament pattern, rather than the hierarchical American invention of senior, associate, executive, whatever pastors. And everybody's a pastor, but not everybody's actually a fivefold pastor. Some of the people that reached out to me through what I shared earlier were men that were so frustrated. People that were so frustrated that God was burning and moving inside of them, but it didn't fit in the American context, and that was their angst. Have a true call from God. Have an anointing to lead or preach or prophesy, but it just doesn't fit in the tiny little box of the American church. Because when you begin to manifest what is biblical and you begin to bring biblical realities into life and see them flesh out, you realize how hard you're cutting against the grain. So where did you learn about church? Who taught you that this is the way to do it? So much of our experience, it really wasn't taught, it was caught. It was things we just picked up and that we intuited and that we... But how much of it is biblical? How much of it has a foundation in God's word? So this is my conviction for my life and for our Father's house. If I can get you passionate about the laying of foundation being built upon Christ Jesus, then I've done my job well. But it's really hard to get people excited about foundation. 1 Corinthians 12. Let's begin reading in verse 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? Someone name your dog, do they? Come over here, do they? It's almost like duvet. That was a word I learned in marriage. What's a duvet? Is that like an old record player? It goes on the bed. Oh, it's a blanket, right? All right. Ten years in, I still need help. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to make a strong statement about this passage, but I mean it with all my heart, and I don't believe I'm overstating what I'm about to say. This is the most abused and misinterpreted passage as it relates to the fivefold ministry. 
I have read a lot of books about the gifts of the Spirit, the New Testament church, the fivefold ministry, and almost every single one of them gets this passage dead wrong. So the most important question of biblical interpretation, which we call hermeneutics, is not what does the text say? That's a really good question. And I'm glad we're asking what does the text say? That's awesome and we need to ask that. Somebody say amen. amen. What does the Bible say? What's the text say? That's the second most important question. The most important question is what do I want the text to say? Because if you can uncover and expose and reveal your own bias, you have a shot at actually getting it right. So the fact that God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers, we have made a mess of this text. Quite literally, this has become a podium rather than a process. So it's like, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then all the little gifts. I'm telling you, I read books and it's like, first apostles, and you can just hear it coming. I'm like, oh Lord. Apostles are the greatest in importance, the greatest of all time. They are God's all-stars. They are his SEAL Team 6. I'm serious. Green Beret, <laughs> eating first at the buffet. <laughs> Some of you don't know I'm a poet, but now you know it. But Miami's not on the scene. So... Some of you got that. It's not a podium. It's a process. It's a building process. But let's back up for a second. Who has put these things in the church? It says God. God himself has appointed, anointed, established, Set in is what it literally means. He has set these things, these ministries, and these gifts that follow in the church in a building process. So here's how I would say it. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then all the fun stuff is not an order of significance. It's an order of sequence. You know what the word sequence means. When something happens in a sequence, it's one, two, three, and on and on and on we go. So Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Spirit and he's saying, this is the building order in sequence of the house of God. That he has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then these things. This isn't about significance. But because so many are insecure, this passage alone is exactly why everybody wants to be an apostle. I mean, come on, if the Bible said, hey, first place is this, you're like, well, give me some of that. And we lose, even just backing up, 
a few chapters to 1 Corinthians 4 and other places that apostles are the scum of the earth. That apostles that don't finish last aren't pure apostles. That apostles serve. That apostles come up underneath and build up and then get out of the way. But we've turned apostolic ministry into a point of arrival to the place where it's created an elitism in the church. And you got apostles and prophets are like the really special people. And oh, she's a prophet and well, you're just, you just... You just got a gift of tongues, I guess. The belittling, the condescension, the criticizing, and the comparison is killing the church. Are you with me this morning? You got to know this and understand this because I'm telling you, I read these books and this is where they go and then they launch into rank and title, and power, and position, and that's how you end up with an entourage, and an armor bearer, and whatever that even means, and all this stuff. And it's like, quite literally, we made this up. This is flesh. Rather than apostles serving, they're served. Because when you become an apostle, it's like you're a king. And everyone should be shining your shoes, and carrying your bags and walking you around the park. I mean, it's ridiculous. And it stinks in the nostrils of God. Guys, you have to understand, this message and talking like this would get me stoned and thrown out in a whole lot of places in America. How dare you touch God's anointed? What are you, you, Saul? Jesus said, you're all brothers. He said, you're not to lord it over one another like the Gentiles do. So we're drunk on authority and all the feelings of significance that come with it. And it's distorted the pure expression of the fivefold ministry in the earth today. I'm telling you, this, this is why I saved it for last. Because I wanted you to have a full context and understanding from the scriptures so that you would carry all that you've learned specifically about the fivefold into understanding and rightly interpreting this passage. Because if you go to the text and you want to be significant and you read first apostles, second, pro- well, hey, I want to be great. I want to be first. Who doesn't want to be first? I hate finishing second. I'm the kind of guy that I would rather finish third than second. All right, that's three of us. Well, if you're second, you're the first loser. But that's all flesh. That's all competition. That's all comparison. That's all born out of the orphan spirit. That's all born out of insecurity that, you know, I don't really know who I am. So maybe I can find my identity and my significance in ministry. You have people that demand that you call them by their title. As I'm talking about people in this city that she calls her husband at the dinner table apostle. Some of you know I ain't making this up. Thank you. So God himself has appointed these ministries. Now I want you to notice something. Where do prophets fall? 
right in between apostles and teachers. Now, why is that? So apostles and teachers are primarily given to the word of God. Prophets are primarily given to the spirit of God. So God sandwiches and hems in prophets in between apostolic and teaching ministry because he wants the river of God to flow, but he doesn't want it to explode out of the banks and become a destructive marsh. He doesn't want it to flood. He wants it to flow. So he puts the prophets in the middle and sandwiches and harnesses them in, in the sequential building order so that the Spirit of God gets expressed, so that there's life, so that there's flow, so that there's rattle, so that there's movement, so that there's a shift that's going on, but it's constructive and not destructive. Because when the prophetic goes first in the building order and you start primarily with prophetic ministry, that's how it becomes a free-for-all and a circus and a charade. And you have people that it's literally like a theme park, but we call it God. And we lack order. But listen, if you start with a teacher or with a teaching ministry or with shepherding ministry what you're going to get is a really profound Bible study. But you're going to lack in the spirit and the flow and the manifestation of the gifts because God uses apostles and prophets to identify ministries and giftings and people before they're ever functioning or flowing so that the whole body can get put in order and set in place so that things can function properly in the house of God. Are you with me this morning? So it's not a podium, it's a process. And it's not an order of significance. It's an order of sequence. So even natural physical houses have a sequential order of construction, correct? So I'm going to give you a couple of options. You tell me which you should call first. You want to build a house and you're really excited about the construction of this house. And you have a couple options on the table. And you got to call them in the right order. We got a plumber on the line. We got an electrician on the line. We got a roofer. We got a framer. We got someone that does siding. We've got someone that does carpet. We've got someone that does foundation. We've got an architect. Who do you call first? Call the architect. Because the plumber and the electrician and the roofers and the framers are all going to go, so what's the plan? Hey, we want you to come build a house. Okay, where's the blueprints? So God has appointed in the church first apostles because they're architects that carry blueprints and keys for how to build the house of the Lord. But you can't lay foundation over and over and over and over and forever and forever and forever and forever. Now we need foundation and we need a touch up. And we need cracks repaired and we need things exposed. But if there's a sequential order to building the house and the architect has laid out the plans, well, then it's time to call somebody else, correct? We don't ask them to do plumbing or electric or fill in the blank because it's, it's really not their specialty. They're overseeing what's happening in the house. Does that sound good? Are you making the, are you making the connections? You're connecting the dots? Okay, great.
I really, really want us to understand this. That's why I keep saying ask questions. Because I'm aware how foreign this is. And it's not like, you know, oh, we're, we're the only ones. No, it's just that what's pure and what's righteous and what's biblical so often gets hijacked by pride, by arrogance, by insecurity, by searching for significance. And God is desiring to build upon the foundation in this place. He's desiring to build upon the structure that's been laid. He's wanting to breathe life prophetically into the house again and again. Amen? I want to tell you what they guard the body against. And this will finish my overview. And then I want to prophesy into 2023. Because I believe the Lord has spoken to me for the new year for us as a house. So if you remember the whiteboard, they made me get rid of it. So we've moved from the 20th century to the 21st century. Some of you say hallelujah. Some of you are grieving with me. We'll have a service after this. We'll push the whiteboard into a pond and wave goodbye. I'm not sure where I get this stuff either, honestly. So I have to keep my life pure because I never know what I'm going to say. <laughs> so, if you remember, we gave all these. And if you're like, hey, I'm really interested. This sounds awesome, but I'm just now hearing this. We have teachings in the back on the back wall that you can grab. And next week, we're going to put all these together and staple them for you if you want to have all the copies and you can keep them. So this is what the fivefold ministry guards the body against. So I'm going to go through apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers and lay it out for you. Apostles guard the body against neutrality. What is neutrality? Switzerland. Or Indiana, spiritually. It's almost like indifference. It's like, ah, it's not really my fight. It's, you know, it's, there's a, a I, I'm neutral. Apostles come like the V-blade on a snowplow right down the middle and say either get on board or get out of the way. Either serve Jesus Christ with all your heart or choose the devil and hell. Apostles guard the body against neutrality. Why? We can't afford to be neutral because if we remain neutral, we will perish. So you have to ascend the hill of the Lord, Psalm 24. Which means we're ascending, right? We're going up. If I put that thing in neutral, on a hill, on an incline, what direction do I go? Backwards. So apostles have a way of keeping it in drive and keeping it in drive in other people's lives and applying spiritual pressure to people's lives that says keep going, keep moving, don't you dare quit. So they guard the body against neutrality, and I want you to write this down, by confronting lukewarmness and hypocrisy. I'm going to give you things that the ministries confront specifically. This doesn't mean that other things can't be confronted. Yes, we liken ministry to confrontation. It is a spiritual war. We have too many people that are puppets and parrots that are playing patty cake 
from the pulpit. And we need courage and boldness and truth. Because truth has a way of drawing people in that are real and repelling those that are fake. So apostles guard the body against neutrality by confronting lukewarmness and hypocrisy. Is that clear for everyone? Number two, prophets guard the body against rigidity by confronting dead traditions and sleepiness. This is why the ministry of prophets so often is like an alarm. Wake up! You're sleeping. You're rigid. You're stiff. You're completely still. You need to get moving. So prophets confront... They guard the body against rigidity, against stiffness. Does everyone know what I mean by this? By confronting those things. Dead traditions, man, they set prophetic people off. (laughs) It's like, uh, let's say we're in the middle of a service and there is a, a lull. People are disengaged. God's wanting to do something. I just start standing there and waiting on the prophetic people. I like, uh, I mean, sometimes y'all come up to me. I'm like, that took you a while. Like, what took you so long? They start to feel like, why isn't everyone engaged? What are you, what are you guys doing back there? <laughs> Playing solitaire? <laughs> Do you guys hear me? I hope this ministers to you and clicks for you. I'll stop before I get in trouble. Number three, evangelists guard the body against inactivity by confronting laziness and indifference, specifically as it relates to the gospel and sharing the gospel and winning souls. Evangelists have a way of getting you moving and motivated and active and alive And feeling like, man, I got disconnected from the Great Commission and it's time to make a difference in the lives of unbelievers. That's evangelistic ministry. They confront laziness and indifference. What do you mean you couldn't share the gospel? Did your lips seize up? Did you have a seizure? What do you mean you were afraid? You fear God or you fear man? Don't you know people are going to hell? Don't you understand that they might get hit by a car on their way from when they met you and you missed it? Evangelists. It's powerful. Shepherds guard the body against insensitivity. Somebody say, oh, this is important. By confronting callousness and cruelty. Listen, Christians can be some cruel folk. My goodness. Shepherds are the ones who say, hey, I know you thought that joke was funny, but there's that group of people is really struggling, and we need to pray for them. And you're like, man, I need to repent. Shepherds guard the body against insensitivity and becoming calloused in nature and just running roughshod over everybody. Shepherds are the ones who say, hey, Maybe they're not in rebellion. Maybe they're just completely and totally broken. And we just need to lock arms with them and take baby steps. And the prophets are like, no, they're in sin and they're in rebellion and we're going to crush them. 
Guys, this is why we need the fivefold. This is why we need the full expression of the Spirit of God. Because there's an accountability and there's a keeping one another in check. Because the ministry and the grace is the filter through which you see life. It's the filter through which you minister and speak. It's the paradigm through which you visit the Word and preach from. So we need to be guarded against insensitivity. Against becoming callous or cruel. Next is teachers. Teachers guard the body against falsity. Gullibility was a close second on this one. You like all the itties? I think it's pretty. Although that's an E-T-T-Y. I'm a words guy. I'm not a numbers guy. I guard the body. Teachers guard the body against falsity. By what? By correcting error and deception. You want to see teachers get fired up? You want to see Barry Nichols get riled up and turn into a vicious bulldog? Make a statement about Scripture that's false. I don't mean Barry becomes mean. I mean by the Spirit of God, he becomes alive. I mean, I've been in some rooms where people are, you know, they're like not sure if the Bible's the inspired Word of God. Like it's full of errors and it's false and then you can just see he's like, boop, 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 boop. Like loading. Like, this is an error. You need to be corrected. This is deception that's come upon you by believing things about God and His Word that aren't true. The burden to teach and to clarify and to correct is very real for teachers. I want to tell you what they impart to the body or what they specifically feel burdened for. Apostles impart to the body maturity and authority. Yes, apostles do carry a unique authority that's inherent to their ministry. But twice in Paul's writings, he said that the authority that God had given him as an apostle was for building you up and not for what? Not for tearing you down. Why did he have to say that? Because when God puts you in a position of authority, you have a weight you have a weightiness to your words in people's lives and you will either leverage it to build them up or to tear them down. This is why apostles can do a lot of damage and a lot of hurt in places when they begin to leverage their influence and their authority and they begin to tear people up. There are apostolic people that have literally started out loving and serving and pleading with God's people that turned into eating the sheep and crushing them. They became so frustrated, so angry, so provoked, so many unresolved issues and broken relationships that they used that authority to hurt rather than to help, rather than to build up. So apostles impart to the body maturity. The message of apostles is what? Grow up. Prophets is wake up. Evangelists is giddy up and go. What shepherds? Heal up. Teachers is study up. 
That's how they uniquely build up the body. Prophets feel burdened and impart to the body purity and integrity. We need the pure word of the Lord. We need the rhema word. We need a word from God right now. We need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We need to understand what God is doing. Oh, He's purifying His bride. Prophets have been preaching and teaching that Jesus is purifying His bride for 2,000 years. And they'll continue to preach that Jesus is purifying His bride until Jesus purifies His bride and returns. When prophets feel like something lacks integrity, <laughs> they, they can get after you. Start to feel like something's off. I don't like the way that sounds. True prophets that are pure in their heart, I believe they hate two things, and they're on different sides. They hate flattery, and they hate exaggeration. All right, maybe that was just for someone. Number three, evangelists impart to the body. They feel burdened for mobility and activity. You need to giddy up. You need to go. You need to get active in your faith. You need to keep sharing. Keep winning souls. Don't remain silent. Shepherds feel a burden for community and unity. Somebody smile. Thank God for shepherds. Thank God for tender shepherds that love God's people. So when shepherds lead a church apart from or separate from apostolic and prophetic input, the church becomes one big happy family and it's a wonderful life group. And that's a good thing. We need to be in community. We need to be united. You want to see shepherds cry? It's when people divorce. It's when families break up. It's when people can't get along. So shepherds are moved by God to say, what's the disagreement? Can't we settle this and choose love? Which is why so many true shepherds burn out in the church because they're just wounded and chewed up by all the people leaving. Because they pour their heart and their soul into people's lives and then people leave. And it's a crushing and a testing. That was meant to be happy. It turned out a little sad. <laughs> I love the shepherds of God's people. Teachers impart to the body and feel burdened for clarity and stability. We have to make that clear. We have to look up every single biblical reference for that topic and study it in depth. We need to have a Bible study on faith. We need to have a Bible study on grace. We need to have a Bible study on salvation. We need to have... A, it's great. We need it. This isn't about personality. This is about grace. This is about the grace of God, which is beautiful, which we need, which we need to be building each other up. We need stability in the body of Christ. We need clarity in the body of Christ. Teachers would tell you we lack clarity in the body because we don't know the word. Prophets would tell you we lack clarity in the body because we're not seeing what the Spirit is doing. Apostles might tell you that we lack clarity in the body 
because we're not plugged into his overall panoramic plan in the earth. Evangelists would tell you you lack clarity because you're just stuck in your own fishbowl looking at yourself rather than winning souls. Does this make sense? But here's the deal about all of these. Ultimately, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers should all feel a burden and should all be imparting to the body humility. Humility is the key. Humility is the marker of true fivefold ministers. We have so much of the who's who. Pastors asking pastors, how big is your church? How many people come? How, all the comparison, all the insecurity. We need a revival of humility in this hour. We need an understanding that without humility, God is opposing us. What if some of the difficulty, what if some of the walls we've run into, they weren't warfare, they were God. Saying, I'm not going to allow you to succeed in sin. I'm not going to see you prosper by the strength of your own hand. I'm going to teach you dependency upon me so that you would not be corrupted by your own pride and self-absorption. So all of the ministries should be imparting humility in agreement with the grace of God. Are you with me? Before I get into 2023, I'm done now. I'm going to make a quick pivot and just encourage you in the new year. Is that okay? I have an exciting announcement. I wish I had more of a voice to get all hooping and hollering like I love to do. But I have an exciting announcement of what the Lord is doing personally and in our lives for me and Taylor. So how many of you listen to That Won't Preach? Few of us. That Won't Preach was a podcast that I started. The episodes, there's 12 or I think 12 of them that are up on iTunes and Spotify and all that. So in 2021, I felt like the Lord asked me to lay that down because of the sickness, because of what we were going through, because there was a lot. And I just felt like the Lord said, give this to me and focus on your family. So I laid it down, recorded the last episode in March of 2021. And I just said, I'll be back. Well, I had no idea that it was going to take this long to get back to podcasting, which I believe the Lord has called me to and commissioned me to do. Because again, it's a function of social media. It's crazy the people that listen to podcasts that won't read a book. Yeah. I'm like, well, let's do both. Let's do it all. Let's reach you however we possibly can. Does anyone in here like podcasts? Did you know that our Father's House sermons are on podcast platform? And you can listen to them if you miss any of the meetings and you want to hear what was taught. You can upload it and listen to it in your drive back from vacation in Florida. Praise the Lord. No one that I know of right now is on vacation in Florida, okay? But I believe that the Lord put it in my heart and in Taylor's heart as well to get back to podcasting, but to do it together. So I'm excited to share that we have a new podcast platform that her and I are doing together. It's called the Bible Revival Podcast. And so this launches today. 
And there is already an episode that's out there for you to listen to. And then if you're subscribed to That Won't Preach, I dropped off one final goodbye and then kind of a reference into the Bible Revival podcast. Guys, at one point we had like 5,000 subscribers on That Won't Preach. I mean, literally I was in our master bedroom closet. (laughs) Ben has a picture. We should have put it up on the screen. I mean, the kids would go to bed and I'm just like, Lord... I mean, it was like $100 for the microphone. I'd finish eating my cereal and then take my TV tray up into my closet and sit down and just pray in the Holy Spirit and read a passage and just, just explode because I felt the burning that, Lord, you want me to do this. So I'm really excited. There's no one better that I want to podcast with than Taylor. Yes, I prefer her over Jeremiah. Yes, I have a podcast with Jeremiah, but she's much prettier than he is. Much prettier. Beautiful hair. (laughs) You can find this. You can subscribe to this. We hope that you enjoy it. We really feel like the Lord wants us to lean into vulnerability. So I believe you're probably going to learn some things about our lives or our story or even this church if you're interested in it because we believe the Lord wants us to reach people with an authentic feel that this is our life, this is what we've been through, these are our defeats and victories, these are the highs and lows, and we believe the Lord has led us to do this. Is anyone excited about this? Okay, now, give me just a couple more minutes. I want to speak over you. If you're a part of our Father's house, and you believe that the Lord has called you here, and this is your spiritual home, this is your family This is where you're going to be. You're not going to get offended over something petty or silly. You're here. You want to throw down with us. You're connected. You're serving. You're giving. You're loving what the Lord is doing here. I believe that this is a word for you. What I saw by the Spirit of God for 2023 was the hand of the Lord. And it was like He had His hands out like this. He had his two hands together, almost like a book. And what I saw was 2023 and 2024. So I'm going to give you a tandem prophetic word for these two years together. And I'm going to do that through Genesis 26. So just real fast turn there. I'm just going to read a couple of verses and share with you what I believe he spoke to me. But it won't make complete sense without the context of Genesis 26. So go all the way to the front of your Bible. Genesis 26. So if you catch verse 1, it says there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So there's a famine going on. Now look ahead to verse 12. It says, now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Would you say a hundredfold? And the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household so that the Philistines envied him. So it's a time of famine, and Isaac chooses to sow. Now, if there's a famine and a drought going on, 
that's probably not a good time to put seed in the ground. Are you following? And yet Isaac sowed in faith, and it says that God blessed him. So the Lord blessed him in spite of the circumstances. So I believe the word of the Lord to those of us at our Father's house for 2023 is the word abundance. And I believe there's an abundance that is coming, but we are going to have to sow seed abundantly in the year 2023 that's going to reap dividends this year, but exponentially in 2024. So what I believe I saw by the Spirit of God, and I'll be held accountable for this, and you can stone me if I'm wrong. Just kidding, I have kids. But you can hold me accountable and I'll repent if it doesn't come to pass. There's abundance that God wants to release, but it's going to require great faith for this house. I'm not launching a building fund. I don't want you to donate to my personal ministry. I'm saying this is what I believe God showed me. And I'll be honest with you. When I heard the word abundance, I'm like, what? Say it to me again. Abundance for 2023. I'm like, well, I don't know how connected you are to economics or to what's going on in the globe. I'm like, well, that's fantastic. And the Lord said to me, my kingdom is not in a recession. And I am not influenced by the economy of this world. For I will pour out an abundance upon those who are faithful to sow seed in famine. Now, I'm not prophesying anything related to the economy. I'm sticking to this is what I believe the Lord has shown me. And I believe that 2023 and 2024 are going to be full of the most ridiculous testimonies that we've ever heard about the blessing and the favor of God showered upon the faithful. But here's what the Lord has assigned me to do in 2023 is to go after the poverty gospel. We're all afraid of the prosperity gospel and it's not good. But the poverty gospel has far more of a grip upon people's hearts and minds than the prosperity gospel does. Because the prosperity gospel, you're like, ooh, yucky, I see it, I don't want it. But we live in poverty in our hearts and in our expectations. And we want meager things from God. And we don't know how to hope. And we don't know how to sow in faith. And we don't believe really deep down in our hearts that God is a rewarder of those who sow abundantly. Does 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 say that if you sow abundantly, you will reap abundantly? Does it say that God gives grace? He gives bread to the eater. He gives seed to the sower. That there's grace. So I believe there's supernatural grace that's going to lead to an abundance. And I want to tell you that I believe there are people watching online or connected to this ministry in the next two years that are going to see exponential financial growth in their lives. They say, oh, you, 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 no, that's the prosperity. No, God wants to bless his kids. I don't believe for one second that God's best is for everybody in this room to be poor and broke and poor stewards of what God gives us. I believe he wants me to preach on money, which if you've been here from the beginning, you know I've never done. I've never preached a message on finances. 
I've encouraged, of course, I talk about it in my messages, but I'm going to teach and go after grace and giving because I believe that God's going to break the back of poverty in this place because I'm going to be honest with you, I feel it real strongly upon our lives. What do you mean by the poverty gospel? I mean the expectation of something meager, something small, of feeling like you're just destined to always be in need of all of those things where if God could put the principles of proper stewardship in our lives, before you can talk about stewardship, though, you have to settle the issue of ownership. None of it belongs to us. It's all for him. Whatever you can't give away has a hold of you. And the church is in great shape financially. And God is abundantly blessing this place. So this isn't a money grab. This isn't a we're in trouble so I better preach on money. No, 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 no. This is the hand of the Lord. I believe it with all my heart. I believe that offering time in 2023 and 2024 is going to be full of people just testifying. Just sharing this is what happened. But it's going to be the testimonies of people that are sowing abundantly. Are you with me? How's that sound to you? I believe the Lord is in it. Now, last thing is this. We provided communion, so I want to make time for this. If you need to go, that's fine. I bless you. We love you. Happy New Year. Thank you for being here this morning. But we want to offer communion and serve it this morning. And this is our ask, that you would take it with your family or whoever you came with. And if you're here by yourself, you're welcome to join me and Taylor. But we want you to come up and receive communion. And I want you to lean into this word of abundance. Because I believe the provision, and it's not just financial. Did you know God wants you to prosper in your soul? He wants you to have abundant life within your spirit, man. He wants you to be alive and awake and active in your walk with Jesus. So if you would stand with me today, I want you to pray. We're not going to do it for you and lean into the word of abundance in 2023. Please share your goals, your dreams, what you're believing God is going to do. Let's make sure that we're vigilant this year and that we're being diligent to believe the Lord for more.